This is literally everything, 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 everything. If you're like me, you have a pile of books older than your grandma's mom and taller than the Empire State Building just begging to be read. To top it off, you probably add several books to said pile every week, yet somehow find yourself in a reading slump with nothing to read. Uh Uh-huh, I see you. In an attempt to tackle my never-ending pile of books, I decided to start a podcast with hopes of making some sort of dent in said pile, and maybe help inspire your next read. I'm Odell. Welcome to Just Read It Already. Hey everyone, welcome back to Just Read It Already. I'm Odell, and if you're a return listener, thanks for coming back. If this is your first episode, well, welcome to the little show about books. Today I'll be sharing my thoughts on the books Big Swiss, All Your Perfects, and What Lies in the Woods. Now as always, be sure to grab your favorite bookish beverage of choice. Today I'm sipping on a cup of black tea with lavender, vanilla, and bergamot. It's delicious. So before we jump into the reviews, we'll do what we always do and take a look at some of this week's new releases. Now, as always, I grabbed this list directly from Goodreads, and I'm hoping I caught everything. I can't guarantee that I did, though. So the first book on our list is Homecoming by Kate Morton. It's a historical fiction, and according to Amazon, it is the highly anticipated new novel from the New York Times bestselling author of The Clockmaker's Daughter. A sweeping novel that begins with a shocking crime, the effects of which echo across continents and generations. Next is The Soulmate by Sally Hepworth. It's a thriller, and this blurb reads, Get ready for a thrilling, addictive novel about marriage, betrayal, and the secrets that push us to the edge in Sally Hepworth's The Soulmate. This one sounds really good, really creepy. It's about a couple, I think they move to a house near a cliff and people have a tendency to commit suicide by jumping off the cliff and the way it sounds her husband is kind of you know local hero because he saves these people from jumping off the cliff or whatever but then one day he doesn't and a mystery ensues so looking forward to checking that one out next on the list is the house is on fire by rachel beanland according to the blurb The author of Florence Adler Swims Forever returns with a masterful work of historical fiction about an incendiary tragedy that shocked a young nation and tore apart a community in a single night. Told from the perspectives of four people whose actions during the inferno changed the course of history. Next we have Before We Were Innocent by Ella Berman. This is a thriller. And the blurb reads, A summer in Greece for three best friends ends in the unthinkable when only two return home in this new novel from Ella Berman. Then next is Coronation Year by Jennifer Robson. This is a historical fiction. And the blurb reads, The USA Today bestselling author of The Gown returns with another enthralling and royal-adjacent historical novel as the lives of three very different residents of London's historic Blue Lion Hotel converge in a potentially explosive climax on the day of Queen Elizabeth's coronation. Sounds interesting. Next is Romantic Comedy by Curtis Sittenfeld. 
This is a horror. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's a rom-com, obviously. And the blurb reads, a comedy writer thinks she's sworn off love until a dreamily handsome pop star flips the script on all her assumptions. Romantic comedy is a hilarious, observant, and deeply tender novel from New York Times bestselling author Curtis Sittenfeld. Next is Camp Zero by Michelle Min Sterling. This is a sci-fi dystopian. The blurb reads, In a near-future northern settlement, a handful of climate change survivors find their fates intertwined in this mesmerizing and transportive novel in the vein of Station Eleven and The Power. Next, we have Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross. This is a young adult fantasy, and the blurb reads, When two young rival journalists find love through a magical connection, they must face the depths of hell in a war among gods to seal their fate forever. Next is The Hidden Life of Astor Kelly by Catherine A. Sherbrooke. This is another historical fiction, and the blurb reads, When a runway model in 1940s Hollywood makes a split-second decision intended to protect those she loves, she triggers a cascade of secrets that threatens to upend her daughter's life decades later. That one sounds interesting to me. Might have to check that out. Next, we have The Home for Wayward Girls by Marsha Bradley. This is another mystery thriller, and the blurb reads, Growing up in the 1990s, a young girl escapes her abusive parents and the, quote, ranch they ran for, quote, bad girls, and becomes an advocate for teen runaways in this harrowing and heartfelt novel for fans of Joanna Goodman and Lisa Wingate. Next, we have House of Cotton by Monica Brashears. It's a contemporary horror, and I've also pre-ordered this one. The blurb reads, a stunning contemporary black southern gothic novel about what it means to be a poor woman in the God-fearing South, perfect for readers of The Other Black Girl and Luster. This is about a, like a down-on-her-luck woman who agrees to be a model in a funeral home. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? And hell yes, I want to read that. Next, we have The Plus One by Maisie Eddings. It's a contemporary romance. And the blurb reads, What starts out as a fake wedding date turns into something these childhood enemies never expected in The Plus One, a sparkling romantic comedy by Maisie Eddings. And last on my list is Silver in the Bone by Alexander Bracken. It's a young adult fantasy, and the blurb reads, From the number one New York Times bestselling author of lore comes a stunning new Arthurian fantasy, the tale of a teenage girl who seeks her destiny in the cursed ruins of Avalon driven by love, revenge, and pure adrenaline. So those are our new releases for the week. As I mentioned, I pre-ordered House of Cotton and The Soulmate. And then I also purchased uh, three other books. I got One True Loves by Taylor Jenkins Reid, who is becoming a new favorite, The Unheard by Nikki French, and Never Saw Me Coming by Vera Curian. Now, by the way, if you're an ebook reader like myself, check out BookBub. No, this is not an ad just a service I found online. They will send you a daily email with books that are on sale and you can tell them like what genre you prefer, if you have any favorite authors, and then they let you know what's on sale today in those genres or if your favorite author has a book on sale. The books typically run between like 99 cents and $4.99. I end up getting several every week, but good prices. Um, and then I also added, and none of this would have happened if Prince Were Alive by Carolyn Prusa, The Cloisters by Katie Hayes, and What You Never Knew by Jessica Hamilton. And all of those went on my I want to read someday but haven't yet purchased list. All right, so it's time now 
to jump into the reviews. Now, if you're new to the podcast, my reviews are brief, but they may not be entirely spoiler-free. I try not to reveal huge plot points, but many folks have different opinions of what constitutes a spoiler. So I just want to throw that out there before I get started. I do list chapters both in the episode description and on the website. So use those to navigate around any books you may not want to be spoiled for you. Alrighty, so with that said, let's jump in. The first book I'm going to talk about is Big Swiss, a novel by Jen Began. It was first published on February 7th, 2023 by Scribner, and the synopsis reads... A brilliantly original and funny novel about a sex therapist transcriptionist who falls in love with a client while listening to her sessions. When they accidentally meet in real life, an explosive affair ensues. Greta lives with her friend Sabine in an ancient Dutch farmhouse in Hudson, New York. She spends her days transcribing therapy sessions for a sex coach who calls himself Ohm. She becomes infatuated with his newest client, a repressed married woman she affectionately refers to as Big Swiss since she's tall, stoic, and originally from Switzerland. They both have dark histories, but Big Swiss chooses to remain unattached to her suffering, while Greta continues to be tortured by her past. One day, Greta recognizes Big Swiss's voice at the dog park. In a panic, she introduces herself with a fake name, and they quickly become enmeshed. Although Big Swiss is unaware of Greta's true identity, Greta has never been more herself with anyone. Bold, outlandish, and filled with irresistible characters, Big Swiss is both a love story and also a deft examination of infidelity, mental health, sexual stereotypes, and more from an amazingly talented one-of-a-kind voice in contemporary fiction. This was a fun read. Greta, the main character, is the hottest of hot messes, and I loved her. She's not had a great life. And despite having to deal with her mother's suicide when she was a teen and being held at gunpoint by a drug addict while working as a pharmacy technician, she still insists that she is, and I quote, not one of those trauma people. Now, I would beg to differ on that. She, as I mentioned, is a hot mess. She writes letters to her dead mother, even still as an adult, as she tries to work out her feelings. But after the incident at the pharmacy, Greta left her fiancé and their mostly comfortable life in L.A. and moved to Hudson, New York. She now lives there in this drafty old house with her extremely eccentric friend Sabine and a hive of bees that live in a massive hive above the living room. Greta now works as a transcriptionist for a very eccentric sex therapist, as the synopsis tells us. He goes by the name Ohm, and... Greta knows all the sexy secrets of everyone in town. Even though the transcripts never contain the client's names, she can easily recognize their voices whenever she's out and about. So she's pretty much carrying the entire town's sexual secrets with her everywhere she goes. Greta eventually becomes infatuated with one of Ohm's clients, a female gynecologist from Switzerland who Greta dubs Big Swiss. Big Swiss, she learns, was the victim of a horrendous sex crime, and despite now being a successful gynecologist and being married to a very nice, handsome man, Big Swiss still has hang-ups around sex, and she cannot have an orgasm. Big Swiss insists that even though what happened to her was tragic, she's not going to let it control her. So she and Greta kind of have that same outlook, and that we're not going to let our traumas control us. 
but they also refuse to fully confront their past traumas. Now, Greta grows increasingly enamored by Big Swiss. When she hears her voice one day at the dog park, she introduces herself to her and gives Big Swiss a fake name. She knows she shouldn't be doing this. Ohm has strictly forbidden her from interacting with any of his patients and considers it a breach of patient-client confidentiality. Now, even though she's putting her job in jeopardy, Greta persists in seeing Big Swiss, whose name we learn is actually Flavia. The two women embark on a very torrid affair with lots of sex. And now Greta is lying to Flavia about her actual identity. Flavia is lying to her husband. They're both lying to themselves, believing their past traumas have no control over their lives, so they just make an even bigger mess of their life than it already was. This book was a good time. I had a lot of fun reading it. I laughed out loud several times, but for some reason, when I got to the end, it just felt unfinished to me. I'm not exactly sure what it was. It just left me going, huh, so that's it. On one hand, it ended the way it needed to, but it just left me wanting a little more. I can't really articulate what that more is, though. I really enjoyed Greta and Flavia's stories, but honestly, I think I most enjoyed finding out the dirty little secrets of some of the townsfolk. Still, it was an enjoyable read. It was good, not great, but definitely enjoyable. I gave it a solid three stars on Goodreads. So we're going to take a quick break now, and then I'll come back and finish things off with the last two reviews. Be right back. All right. Now, the next book I have for you is a mystery thriller titled What Lies in the Woods by Kate Alice Marshall. It was first published on January 17th, 2023 by Flatiron Books, and the synopsis reads, They were 11 when they sent a killer to prison. They were heroes, but they were liars. Naomi Shaw used to believe in magic. 22 years ago, she and her two best friends, Casty and Olivia, spent the summer roaming the woods, imagining a world of ceremony and wonder. They called it the goddess game. The summer ended suddenly when Naomi was attacked. Miraculously, she survived her 17 stab wounds and lived to identify the man who had hurt her. The girl's testimony put away a serial killer, wanted for murdering six women. They were heroes, and they were liars. For decades, the friends have kept a secret worth killing for. But now Olivia wants to tell, and Naomi sets out to find out what really happened in the woods, no matter how dangerous the truth turns out to be. This was exactly the type of mystery thriller book that I love. I think I mentioned before that I'm pretty good about figuring out who done it, but honestly, that's part of the fun for me. I like to come up with my theories early on and then see which, if any of them, play out. And typically, I get at least one of them right. So, shocker. One of my earlier theories pulled through, but the ride was a whole hell of a lot of fun. This book had everything that creeps me out. It had a serial killer, a potentially wrongful conviction, a shit ton of suspects. It's difficult to trust anyone, really. And a creepy-ass secret of what really lies in the woods. The book takes place in a small town in Washington State, and our main character, Naomi Shaw, has been through some stuff, y'all. 
When she was 11, Naomi was playing in the woods with her friends when someone attacked and stabbed her 17 times. Her two friends, Olivia and Casty, said that they saw the man who did it, and they identified the suspect as Alan Michael Stahl, a suspected serial killer. Naomi corroborates their story, even though she doesn't really remember everything that happened that day. She goes on to testify against him in court, and she sends him to prison for life. 20 years later, Naomi has changed her last name to help keep her identity a secret, and she now works as a photographer in Seattle. To say Naomi is broken is an understatement, but it's also understandable. I mean, the girl was stabbed 17 times. Her face is badly scarred, but she wears her scars with a sense of defiance. Like, this is me, take me or leave me, like it or not. Now, as one would expect, she's also deeply emotionally scarred. And she makes a lot of unhealthy choices in life because of it. When Naomi gets a call that Stahl has died in prison, she feels a sense of relief. She thinks that maybe she can finally put all of this behind her, so she travels to her hometown to reconnect with Liv and Cass, her two friends. But when she gets there, she notices something's wrong with Liv. Liv was always the more emotionally fragile of the three friends, but she seems especially off now. Naomi then starts to question whether she may have lied in court. She can't honestly remember being stabbed by Stahl. She doesn't remember even seeing him in the woods. She just trusted that her friends did. And when they told her it was him, she went along with it. But as she digs, she realizes it doesn't really make sense. Stahl's other victims were older women, and he sexually assaulted them, but neither of those applied to Naomi. Then we have a podcaster who has decided to look into Stahl more closely. At first, he is a thorn in Naomi's side, but he might be able to help her figure out what really happened to her that day. But then that might mean she will have to tell him about the other secret, the secret of what really lies in the woods. And while it's a pretty creepy secret, it's not the last of the secrets in this twisty, turny book. Now, I won't go any further, lest I spill secrets I shouldn't, but if you're a fan of mysteries and thrillers, I would highly recommend this one. I gave it four stars on Goodreads. If I could give half stars there, I would give it a solid four and a half. Definitely worth the read. Definitely creepy. Okay, last book of the day. And surprise, surprise, it's another Colleen Hoover book. I think I've done her books on all three of the last episodes. Maybe we need to take a break. But I got to say, I think that this one has been my favorite of hers that I've read thus far. The book is titled All Your Perfects, and it was first published by Atria Books in 2018. And then it looks like Simon & Schuster re-released it, I think, in 2022 with a new cover. At least that's the way it appears on Goodreads. Anyway. The synopsis for this one reads, Colleen Hoover delivers a tour-de-force novel about a troubled marriage and the one old forgotten promise that might be able to save it. Quinn and Graham's perfect love is threatened by their imperfect marriage. The memories, mistakes, and secrets that they have built up over the years are now tearing them apart. The one thing that could save them might also be the very thing that pushes their marriage beyond the point of repair. All Your Perfects is a profound novel about a damaged couple whose potential future hinges on promises made in the past. This is a heartbreaking page-turner that asks, Can a resounding love with a perfect beginning survive a lifetime between two imperfect people? As I said on the last two podcasts, 
I love Colleen Hoover. And I think this has been my favorite book by her so far. I read it in a day and a half. Unlike the rest of her books, it's raw, it's emotional and beautiful, and it focuses on the relationship of Quinn and Graham, how it started, how it evolved, and then began to deteriorate. What I loved about the book is that the chapters alternate between past and present. In the very first chapter, Quinn meets Graham, and it's not a fun, silly little meet-cute. Quinn is on her way up to her fiancé's apartment when she runs into a man pacing outside the door. He scares her because he looks really pissed off, but then she learns he's there because the guy who lives there, who just so happens to be Quinn's fiancé, is banging the guy's girlfriend. Sex sounds are heard. Quinn realizes she's being cheated on. So she and the guy, who just happens to be her future husband, Graham, sit outside the apartment door and wait for the philandering couple to finish. They eat the Chinese food that the philanderers ordered and has been delivered to the door. And then when the cheaters come out to pick up the food, they give their exes the middle finger and then leave. The next chapter skips ahead several years. Quinn and Graham are now married, but it's obvious it's a marriage on the rocks. There is an unease between them. Lots of things are left unspoken. And we get the idea that there are a lot of hurt feelings and regrets and insecurities festering, and it becomes apparent that no one in the relationship is talking about them. So over the course of the rest of the book, we alternate between the happiness that developed as the couple started dating, met each other's parents, and eventually got married, and then the present, where their marriage appears to be falling apart. Yet neither of them seems to know how to fix it. This is a great study on how relationships that start off so beautifully can so easily fall apart. And one thing that really frustrated me was that I felt as though the relationship probably wouldn't have gone as sour as it did had Quinn opened up to Graham about what she was really feeling. She felt as though she could not give him something that he really wanted. And she assumed that someone else would be able to and he'd be happier with someone else if she left him and let him go. But she didn't want to let him go. Meanwhile, Graham just wanted Quinn's love. And had she talked about what she was really feeling, I feel like they would have solved the problem much earlier. But then we wouldn't have gotten this beautiful story. Or maybe we would have just a much shorter version of it. Now, despite the frustration with Quinn not coming forward with what was bothering her, I also understood why she didn't. And that's the thing about Colleen Hoover's books, the real It's easy for an outsider to sit and say, well, if you just have done this, you would have saved yourself a lot of heartache. But when you're so caught up in the fear of losing someone, it's not always possible to see clearly. I could sit here and rave about this book, but I won't. I will just tell you that I gave it a solid five out of five and would highly recommend it to someone looking for an emotionally charged read. It's really, really good. All right, that's all I have for you today. Next week, I'll be sharing my thoughts on my favorite Real Housewives, Heather Gay's Bad Mormon, Jennifer McMahon's The Children on the Hill, and Heather Darwin's The Things We Do to Our Friends. If you'd like to write in or leave me a voice message and share your thoughts on any of the books that I've covered, you can do so by visiting the contact page at justreaditalready.com. Thanks for being here. I'll see you next week. 